gonna flow. We're gonna flow. Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing this morning? Man, it's so good to see you. You look good for second winter. I tell you, man, you're looking awesome. Nobody's depressed this morning because of second winter. You're all looking happy. We're so glad you came. And, uh, man, we, we know Jesus has a word for you this morning. I mean, every time we gather together as a, as a corporate body, you know, the Lord comes to speak to us. And I'm so excited for what he's going to share with us this morning. Um, if you got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 17. Let's jump right into this. I want to be respectful of your time, and I want, to, I want to get in what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. And, you know, this week has been kind of a different week for us because Jamie's due date was on Friday. And so I'm like, am I preaching? Am I not? Are you going to go into labor? Are you going to, is your water going to break while we're worshiping? Like, what's, what's all happening here? There's a lot going on in the spirit realm, but also in the natural realm. There's things happening. Moving. So it's like, if her water breaks, well, I got to, I got to get this through. So baby, you're going to have to hold on until I'm done. That's, that's the key. <laughs> Awesome. Well, John chapter 17, let's just read this. I love these words that Jesus uh, spoke and he prayed out for us. And he's talking to his disciples, but really he's talking to us as well. Jesus said, not only praying for those that are with him, but also those that will believe him, believe in him through his word. So he's praying for us. And he says right here, they no longer, talking about us, they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Man, I'm thankful for that. I don't belong to this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of this world. Continue on verse 17. Your word is truth. So make them holy or set them apart by your truth. How many of you are ready to break out of average? You're breaking out of ordinary, breaking out of, you know, the, the status quo. Guess what's able to break you out of that? It's the word. The word has the ability to take you out of normal, so to say, in the, world's, in the world's standards, to take you out of what's mundane, to take you out of what's minutia, and is able to pull you out to live a victorious, joy-filled, peace-filled life. Yeah. It's able to pull you out of that and cause you to live just like Jesus lives. What's able to do that? The Word. So it's vital that you and I, this is why we have the Bible. No, God didn't just give this so that we have a bunch of rules to follow. No, He gave us this book so we learn how to live like He lives. Man, aren't you thankful for his word? I love this word. How many of you love your word? Man, it's, it's Jesus. It's not just a book. It's, it's him. Right? Looking at the next verse, the last one. It, Jesus said, I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. So you and I, we are here with a strategic purpose. We are here set apart for God to be a representation of Jesus on this earth. Wherever I go, the same way that Jesus said that when he walked the earth, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Well, you and I can say this. When we walk around Red Deer, now people don't just see us, they see him. Yes. And now the best way to represent Jesus is to know his ways. Yes, right? It's, it's great just, just to say I'm a Christian doesn't make you necessarily look like him. Yeah, I've seen people with bumper stickers and I've seen people with the fish on their back and they are not really. I, I've got fingered by somebody with the Jesus fish on the back before. And I'm just saying, I'm like... I really hope that you stole this car because this is, that is not right. I wanted to actually have the red light just pull that fish off and you didn't make me nothing, man. And I wouldn't do that. I'm just, you know. But just because you throw it on there doesn't make you one. So we need to be vitally understanding of what the thoughts of Jesus are. You and I really, we need, what we need is a breakthrough in our thinking. You and I, this is our message to the world. If people don't know Jesus, our message is you must be born again, right? To the church now, it's you must renew your mind. 
This is our message. This is what we constantly are involved in doing. Why do you wake up and read your word every morning? Why do you come to church gathered together? Yeah, to get encouraged, to get strengthened, but also so that your mind can get a good brainwash. I mean, you're in need of a good brainwashing this morning. I am. Man, I need a good brainwash. I got a standing ovation on that one. That's what I'm talking about. Right? I know she's just walking back in from the bathroom. I, I, I know. But I, I'll take that. I'll take whatever I can get. Thank you again. <laughs> but you and I, we need a brainwashing with the Word of God just so that we can be a proper representative of the Lord Jesus. We need a good wash, right? Now let's look here. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul, through the, uh, through the Holy Spirit, says, Beloved friends... What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you now to surrender yourselves. Again, this is my job. I have to intentionally surrender myself to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Then verse 2, he goes on to say, stop imitating. Here he said that with me, stop imitating. Now he's not talking to your neighbor, he's talking to you. Stop imitating. Stop looking like, and he says, the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. And we used this last year, the analogy of Simon Says. Right? We even did it this past week. Simon Says, boys, go clean your room. And they run down there and they clean their room. Like, Simon is amazing. Who is Simon? I got to get this guy's on. This guy knows how to get stuff done. Simon Says, do, and they do. Well, the same way we don't want the, the world says this, so I do this. The world says this about money, so I do this. The world says this about viruses, so I do this. The world says this about peace, so I do peace. It's a totally brainwash. The way that God does things is completely different from the world systems. So he's saying, stop it. Say it, go with me. Put your hand. Stop it. Stop imitating the culture of the ideas, the opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed. How? By the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This is what we need. People don't just need breakthrough in natural circumstances. They need breakthrough in their thinking. And I'll get to that in a sec. Total reformation of how you think. Now notice what will happen as your mind starts to change and to starts to think like God. This will empower you now to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. What's God's will for my life? It's actually found in you understanding his ways. I talk about this a lot, but I want to just get this so deeply into you. If we can see this, what's God's will for my life? It begins with knowing the ways of God. Because if God were just to tell you right now what he had in store for you, you'd go, how am I supposed to do that? I can't do that. There's no way I'd know how. Because you're not familiar with his ways, so you look at it as an impossibility. But with God, in his ways, all things are possible. You've got to see it from his perspective, Right? This will empower you to discern God's will for you as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now, a question I want to ask, why do people or why do I keep going and experiencing the same results in my life over and over and over again? I've talked with people who've had, you know, bad marriages, bad results in relationships, and you know what there is? It's a cycle. The same cycle over and over. I know there's this one gentleman in particular that I've, you know, talked with, worked a lot with, and it was all of a sudden you can kind of tell there's a, a situation going on and what happens, he falls into the same cycle that he had with number one. Well, guess what? How you leave number one is how you enter into number two. And what happens if there's not a change of thinking, the cycle repeats itself. And you're going, where's God in all this? It's not him. It's this. You can pray all you want, but if this doesn't change, nothing out here changes. Right, So if you and I, if we would deal with the, the change or pattern of thinking, then the end result or the product is able to change. 
So what's the answer to all this? If I change my thinking, I get a different result. Because remember this, this definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different? If you continue doing the same thing, what you're experiencing now is because of the way you think and you actually live out your life. If you want change out here, guess where it begins? A new thought here. And I, this is what we're spending our time. If I want God's results, what do I have to do? Think like God. If I want the world's results, who do I got to think like? The world. This is not complicated, right? If I want God's results, what do I got to do? I got to know his ways. I got to know his thoughts. So now what do I do? <laughs> if I want to think like God, how do I think like him? I got to spend some time with God. Isn't that right? I mean, Jamie thinks like me because she hangs out with me. And she's brilliant. It's amazing just to see just the increase of wisdom over these last almost 12 years that you've walked in, Jamie. Like you are, you are quite another lady. I'm just, it's amazed at how smart she's gotten over these last 12 years. <laughs> Put the mic away from her. Get the mic away from her. <laughs> yeah, don't sit down. You're pregnant. <laughs> so this is what God tells us. He says, if you want to have my results, you got to think like me. And this is what we see, Joshua 1.8. The, the, Josh, God told Joshua, study this book of instruction continually. How long? Continually. It says, that's the next word, meditate. That means you chew it over, you think it over, you ponder it while you're working, while you're washing your hands, while you're in the shower, while you're eating your crepes. So every time you, you're driving your car, he's saying meditate on it, his word, day and night, so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Now notice the next word. Starts with an O. Only. Say it with me. Only. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, a lot of times we want to prosper and succeed in all that we do, but we don't see, understand what comes first. The preceding prospering and succeeding is meditating. It's thinking. It's taking time to ponder on what the Word of God says. This is the only way to prosper like God is thinking like Him. Look at the next verse, Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 through 3. It says, what delight comes to the one who follows God's ways. And I want to just, you know, encourage you in this. I don't know, but when I was in high school, it wasn't really the cool thing to be a Christian. I don't know. It was just people kind of, you know, it was never really talked about. But, you know, I think it's time that we bring the coolness back to what it really is. You know, rather than all these people just judging you because, you know, you, you know Christians are just a little bit weird. And there are some, but not here. This is the cool. This is cool. Right? We're, we're, we're cool because we got the word. Right? And if you really think about it, but if the psalmist says, what delight comes to the ones who follow your ways. So going into the word of God is not, oh, the Bible again. Anybody ever wake up like that in one morning? You're not admitting it. Okay, that's good. Now, now just, just look straight ahead. And you know, it's, it's, I get to go to the word. It's, yes, I get to come to the word. Yeah, this, is, this is the place that we can get to, is all of a sudden when you look at your Bible, you get excited about it. Not because it's got buffalo skin around it and smells good. There's more to it than that. It's the words of life are in it. So he's saying, what delight comes to those who follow God's ways. They won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share in the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. Now notice again, verse 2. He says, his pleasure and his passion is remaining true to the word of I am. Then he says, notice again, meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. So notice what's taking place here. His thinking is involved here, right? He's meditating on what? 
the word of God, the word of the I am, the word of truth, right? So notice meditation comes and then look what happens in verse 3. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design. We're all wanting the being side of it, but before being actually comes thinking. You got to see this. It's not just throwing out a prayer, oh God, make this succeed. Man, man, God is doing every, he want, he is a blesser. He can't help himself. That's who he is. But you have to align yourself with his ways because the blessing is in his ways, not in just whatever you want to do. It's in his ways. So he said, if you're thinking like him, thinking about him, thinking about his world, what does God think about this situation? What would God do in this particular situation? And you meditate on it. You think on it. The result will be, you will be standing firm like a flourishing tree. Now notice all these verbs that are here. You are deeply planted by the brooks of what? Bliss. What does bliss look like? Right? It's time that Christians have like authentic smiles. Hey, hey, it's all good. Why? Because I'm rooted somewhere, right? Notice what else it says. Bearing fruit when? In every season. So this is also showing you that you're going to have seasons in life, but it doesn't mean you ever have a season that ever does not bear fruit. You're always bearing fruit in every season of your life. Why? Because you spent time thinking on it, and now this is just who you are, right? You don't have to try to work it up. Bearing fruit means it just pops out of you. Man, I've used that illustration before. You don't go to an apple tree and an apple tree is just like constipated trying to get an apple out. <laughs> oh, oh, I got one. Oh, I got another one. This is what people are trying to do in the Christian life. They're trying to make it work. Right? They're good. You need a good Pepto-Bismol just to see what... And that's what the word will do. It'll just pop out of you. Why? It's because you're bearing fruit because you've taken time to think and now you is. <laughs> I'm glad you see that. Notice what else? It says he is what? Never dry. Say it with me. Never dry. Who's never dry? The one who took the time to think, to envision, to see what the word says and now see it in their life. He's never dry. Never fainting. Me never tired, never, oh, this is just too difficult. I don't know how I'm going to do it. He is ever, ever, and ever prosperous. This is who he is. Why? It's the people that think, and then the people that, that's just who they are. After you spent the time seeing it, you enjoy the fruits of your labor. When the Bible says you, you labor into rest, you're not trying to make things happen in the Christian life. What are you doing? You are brainwashing yourself to think like God so that God can do the work through you. Right? Rather than trying to running scared of the coronavirus, I just meditate, see the word of God, see myself, no plague shall come near my dwelling. I'm starting to see that, and what's the result? It doesn't hit you. It can't hit you. Right? Fear does the same thing, it's just in the opposite. Rather than saying, you know, meditating or you know, envisioning, right? Or, or hope really is the is the good word of it. The other side of it is just is fear. It's just, you know. Thinking about the, the negative side of it, how it's going to affect me, it's the exact same thing. So you and I, this is what he's saying, you and I, we focus on what the Word says and this is the result, right? You see that? Okay. Now, as we said, God doesn't want you to think like the world simply because he doesn't want you having the world's results. He wants you and he's called you to represent him. And if I want to represent him, I got to think like him. Again, God's not out there. He's not, and I said this last week, I'm going to reiterate it. God, we're, we're told not to think like the world. He doesn't say we're here to condemn the world because you cannot reach a culture that you condemn. 
You can't. It's impossible. Jesus never condemned the culture. He was never part of it, but he never condemned it. Right? So that's the balance in that. Oh, I don't talk to those people. And I think it's like Christians have, what's that, insomnia? What's that? Or when they, well, not insomnia. What's that? Uh, amnesia. That's the word. That's the one. Oh, same thing. Pretty close. <laughs> It's all of a sudden they forgot that just, it was a few years ago that they were doing the exact same thing. I'll leave that right there and we'll move on. Okay. So the question that we are asking ourselves is, do I want to be in close fellowship with God more than doing my own thing? And the answer is absolutely yes. I desire with all my heart to know his ways. I want to know him. I want to know why he does what he does. I want to know the very root to everything he does. And we know it's love. But God, why do you do this? And he's willing to show you and I. That's how good he is. That's how open he is. And as I said, we are here as a church family. I don't want to just be a believer in Jesus. I also want to be a partner of his so that I can basically be a portal for him to operate in this city. God needs a partner. Anybody willing to partner with him? That's what this church is for. We're here to partner with God to carry through his plan in this region. Thank you for that. Amen. Now, in order to have a move of God, it first begins where? In me. I want to see a move of God. Guess where it begins? It begins in me, right? And I, don't, I don't need a thousand people around me all hyper and pumped up about Jesus. And I, I can actually do this on my own. But it starts in me. And so this is what we're doing is we're taking the time to know the ways of God, right? And so what I want, I want God to move in me, meaning I want some of this, my junk out. I want his stuff in. And this is what we've talked, and I want to just preface this with this. It's important that we are constantly open to the Holy Spirit for change. Everybody say change. Change, change where? In our lives. That we are open continually for change by the Holy Spirit because to the degree that I perceive and make little tweaks in my life to line up with God's ways will be the degree that I will continue to receive from God. This requires humility. And this is what I want to just, I'm actually doing part two on this because I couldn't get away from it. I thought I was doing something else, but the Lord kept bringing me back to humility a little bit further here again. And humility, let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7 through verse 14. <clears throat> and I want you to notice a few things here. Verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Other translations say I will heal their land. Notice what's first is prayer first. What's first? Humble. It's not you praying right off the bat. It's not you just seeking God right off the bat. There's first an attitude that has to happen inside of us and it is humility. If we will humble ourselves, look what the end result is of humility, healing. Now this could even hit you from a physical individual. Everything begins with humility and look what the end result is, healing. Or we could say restoration. There is a, there is a divine connection between humility in an individual and the healing power of God or the restoration power of God surging through you and I. It's vital. Actually, you, I'm not, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but Matthew 13, verse 15, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees of that day. And you see this over and over in Scripture talking about, you know, these, these, these religious folk, they will see, but they don't actually see. They hear, but they don't actually hear. Their hearts are so hardened that God actually said, they will not turn so I can heal them. 
God's desire is to, is to heal, is to restore, is to bring things back to the way heaven designed it. But he said he can't when there is a hardness of heart, and that has everything to do with pride. So notice the same connection in here. If you humble yourself, meaning, Lord, I'm not smart as you. Beginning it off there. Or, oh, no, I've heard about that healing business. That's, that's done with the apostles. As long as you keep up with that stinking, arrogant mindset, you are in no place for the restoration of God in your life. This is even happening in relationships. If there's no humility in either one of the individuals, it can be a marriage, a relationship, whatever it is, if there's no humility, there cannot be a restoration. And what have we done before? We spent so much time praying that things would change. Thank God for it. Don't stop. That, that, that keep going with it. But until there is actual humility being taken place, there can be no change. Let's just think about it for a sec. How come you're going to heaven? Because of Jesus. But you finally came to a place in your life where you said, I can't do this on my own. I am useless apart from him. I am a sinner. I am absolutely nothing without Jesus. You finally came to this place of reality. Remember we talked about that last week. That honest or humility lives in truth. The truth is that you and I, yes, we were all sinners. But you and I, thank God that the Lord revealed it to us. We heard his mercy. And we got born again because we humbled ourselves. Well, the same way, just, I mean, anybody you talk to on the street, why are you going to heaven? I'm a good person. What is that focusing on? Me. What's the problem? Pride. Say with me, pride. It's, it's, it, is, it stinks. It is horrible. Right? Anybody ever been around a prideful person? Yeah, I, I don't like hanging around with those guys a whole lot. Why? It's all about me, Lord. It's, it's disgusting. Well, the same way here, this is where it all begins. If my people, he says my people. He's not talking about the world. He said, if my people will finally call by my name, they'll humble themselves. Guess what? I will heal their land. But it all begins with an attitude first of humility. Okay, so let's, I want to go into this a little bit further. Because again, the kingdom of God, this is how the kingdom operates. The kingdom of God operates like this. This is key. It's by grace through faith. This is how the kingdom of God operates. You and I to this day need grace. How many of you need grace in your life? I need grace. I absolutely need grace in every day of my life. To raise my family, absolutely I need grace. To be a husband, guess what? I need grace. To tie my shoes in the morning. No, really, imagine the Spirit of God le like left planet Earth. What would we be? Well, we couldn't even put on Velcro, y'all. We, uh, we'd, we'd be walking corpses. We'd be useless. God's goodness is all over this planet, whether you realize it or not. And it's even as small as providing heat in our home. There's little details. It's all the grace of God. Because every good thing from God is the grace of God to you and me. Right? And it's received now. How? By faith. When you hear what grace has provided, faith's response is, I believe that. And that's it. Right? So every year, not just all these like natural details, but even when it comes to the revelation of God's word. Guess how that comes? Come on, say with me. How does grace, how does uh, revelation knowledge come to you and I? By grace. How do I experience a victory? By grace. How do I experience a healing in my body? By grace. Come on, by how? Grace. The jobs that I have, the money that I have in my account. Where did that come from? By grace. Everything that I have is by the grace of God. And it's received through faith. So is grace a big deal to you and I? 
then guess what? Humility needs to be a huge deal to you as well. Because who gets grace? The humble. James 4, 6, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Oh, man, I, if I need grace, guess how I'm going to live my life? Humble. I can't afford, afford to be proud. Because the moment that I have proud in me, guess what? The grace stops. And it's not that God is, you know, I'm not talking. No, he sets himself up against it, saying, no, you, you think you do this on your own? You're on your own. And that's what love would do until you finally come to yourself. This is the prodigal son all over again. Right? I, I, I want my inheritance. I want this. and I'm going to go live. If I didn't have my dad telling me what I could do and what I can't do, I'd be better off. So he goes off and it finally says when he came to his senses, he came back. God will not chase you. If you choose to be proud, guess what? You is on your own. And God actually puts himself in a position like this. And I don't want a stiff arm from God. And you see Marshawn Lynch, you know, stiff arm a couple guys in the NFL. I don't want God giving me one of those, man. That, that's going to hurt. I need the grace of God in my life. So if I need the grace, guess what? I need to understand this humility lifestyle that you and I are called to live in. This is knowing the ways of God. Jesus himself is humble. Did, did think about that for a moment. God is not going to command you to do something he himself does not already do. That'd be hypocritical. So if he says, you know, look, I'll get to that in a sec, but he tells us, you and I, to actually revere others as better than ourselves. That means Jesus, when he looks at me, he thinks that I'm more important than his own self. That's how he thinks. So we got to get that in our thinking. Right? Let's move on here. Thank you, Brother Donovan. Because <coughs> what is pride? I mean, just God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. What is pride? The more proud you are, the more full of yourself you are. I want more. <laughs> I don't want more of Joel. I've had all the Joel I can get. How'd that turn out for you? Not very good. <laughs> and then on the other side, humility simply is this. It is submitting to God, acknowledging that he is right in everything. If you could just say, God, you're right in everything. <laughs> everything. Before I even have a question on it, God, you're right. <laughs> no, let's just say that together. God, you're right. Just let that be the answer before any kind of questions arise in your brain. God, you're right. My mom always said that to me. Always stay on God's side. Always just be there. God, you're always right. It's a good place to be. Because listen, I've heard people, you know, they talk about Job as if God did something mean to Job. You've got to read Job as if God is right, not wrong. That's for another time, but man, that's, that's a big one. I was just talking to somebody this past week about it. You know, somebody told me, I, I feel like Job. And man, praise God, that's awesome. Do you know what happened to Job? He got double everything. And a better spouse on top of it. <laughs> All right, let me just continue reading. Okay, humility's characteristics. Let's talk about this for a sec. Now, someone who walks in humility, let me just give you this one. Humility is unoffendable. Now, I'm not, I want to preface this. Trying to live unoffendable will wreck your life. <laughs> your aim should not try to be unoffendable. Your aim should try to be, or your aim should be, not try. Your aim is to be humble. Because humble people are unoffendable. I didn't say you can't hurt my feelings. But what I'm saying is that whatever you said or whatever you act, however you respond to me, I'm not going to let that get inside of me and fester and build up to this anger, this bitterness, and now all of a sudden I got an offense against you. I refuse to be offended, right? Now, this is a question that you have to ask yourself. 
Are you open to offense? Are you okay being offended? That's just a question you got to answer. Are, are you, could at, at, at any moment of, end of the day, or is, if somebody says something to you, will you be offended? You have to make up your mind in advance that I refuse to be offended about anything, regardless if people don't like my jeans. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> no, so funny. I gotta just make fun of it. I love you, Oma. She said something so funny. She sent me this video, and it was uh, this is why grandchildren don't go to their grandparents' house. And there's this young teenage girl sitting on the couch, and her grandmother, ha, sewing all the holes that she had in her pants. <laughs> it was so funny. She came. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean that in a mean way. I actually thought it was quite hilarious. I thought, you know what, I can't wait. I'm going to get her pants size. I'm going to get her a pair of ripped jeans. <laughs> and then we're going to dance up here together. You know, tuck them. I know, I know, I got them. <laughs> but if, if being offended is an option to you, you're in trouble. Because, <laughs> listen, offense is, is guaranteed. At some point, somebody will try and, or maybe not even try, some people will offend you. But you have to come to this decision, am I offendable, yay or nay? So you might as well just say no right now because the opportunity comes right after service, right? So let me just ask you this question. Are you offendable? No. Say it with no. I'm not offendable. Okay. <laughs> if you seem to get offended with everything, let me encourage you. Clothe yourself in humility. And let me just I'll show, I'll get into this. But before I read Philippians 2, I want to tell you this. But just a quick reality. When someone gets offended... It's simply because pride is already there. And that's, that's the truth. So if you're finding, oh, this person did this to me, and this person said this, this person acted like this, let me just tell you, it's, it, you're already in pride. So the best thing to do is just acknowledge, say, Lord, I'm, I see that. I'm, I get offended over the smallest little details. Lord, I need that changed right now. I'm choosing humility. Stop it. Because where the world out there tells you, you can be offended at, we can't even talk, just talk anymore. Why? Because people get their toes stepped on. You bunch of babies out there. Like, seriously. We can't even just say truth anymore because, oh, it might offend this person. Right? Oh, if you don't acknowledge that today's International Women's Day, you might get, you know, a slap on the wrist. Good Lord. Like, there's just so much, all this stuff out there trying to make sure that everybody's happy. Guess what? I'm not going to try to appease an offended person. Why? Because it's impossible. Okay. Right. Sometimes the Bible says encourage yourself in the Lord. So I, sometimes I just... Sometimes, well, that's, that's delicious. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we're going to clothe ourselves in humility. If I seem to get offended, let's put this on. What does putting on humility look like? Look at this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. If you just followed that command all this week, you'd be better off. <laughs> then he says, be humble. How? Thinking of yourself, or sorry, thinking of others as, come on, has what? As better than yourselves. Oh, I'm sorry, was this your seat? Oh, you, you go ahead and have that seat, man. Absolutely, oh, not a problem at all. Oh, was that your Boston cream donut? There's only one left. You go for it. Ha you eat that Boston cream. I hope you enjoy that. And not thinking, sucker, took my last donut. It's thinking of others as what? Better than yourselves. This will help in any kind of relation, but this also helps in a church family. When people start coming in here that we don't know, how do we treat them? As better than myself. 
right? Look at the next verse, verse 4. He says, don't look out for your own interests. But notice this, take an interest. I thought that adults had this down pat. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. This is something I had to work my butt off. Take an interest in other people. Hi, okay, you, okay, you know, Paul, and your name is, why don't you guys get together? Your name rhymes. Say hi to each other. You, you think I'm kidding, I'm not. I remember having to go find, oh, you like Xbox? And you, oh, hey, so-and-so, get over, hey, you guys are friends now. <laughs> right, so I kind of bear hug them into this little family and go, we both like Xbox, don't we? Yeah, okay, maybe talk about a game for a few minutes. And then you leave to see if they're talking. Uh, Now, I understand there's some socially awkward people. I get that. I get that. But if you would just actually take an interest in others, not you be interesting, be interested. <laughs> this is true. Honestly, this is, how, this is how I live my life. Rather than always trying to be the most interesting guy, I'd be the most interested one. Because if you become the most interested one, guess what? People will leave going, oh, man, they feel, they feel refreshed. Somebody actually cares or want to hear my story. Imagine if you, that's how you woke up in a marriage. How are you? It's good to see you. You want to have the shower first and take all the hot water? Go for it. Could you maybe also practice this verse too, though? That'd be great. My marriage is fine. I'm just, this is part of Jamie's homework this week as we've been working on She's pregnant and stuff, and I need this. And I'm like, oh, man, man, girl, like, think about me for a moment too, will you? I'm totally kidding. You probably think I'm a big jerk now. I'm totally kidding. But anyways, I'm taking an interest of others as well. Look at this. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, he says, clothe yourselves. Everyone say, put it on. <laughs> the same way you put on your clothes this morning. you got to put this on. What is this? You put on this attitude. When I go to church this morning, I am going to act as if somebody's more important than me. You have to put that on. It doesn't come naturally. So he's saying, put it on. Because, you know, I guess what? We're going to have to deal with pride. And the moment somebody says, oh, I've dealt with that pride thing. <laughs> no, you haven't. Right off the bat, I can see it right there. You and I, because we live in this flesh, there is, that is, the, the flesh's nature is pride. So you and I will continually having to put it under. We will continually have to, to deal with it always, right? It's not that I wake up every morning and just I'm as selfless as can be. I got to deal with pride too. Okay, that's enough about me. I'm here to talk about you. Okay, <laughs> so you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. What else? With kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. And meanwhile, we're like, we want to see the miracles, where do you think the miracles come out of? A humble spirit. It won't work out of a prideful spirit. I want to see the miracles. But here, if you are, if this, this is where pride gets in. You want to see miracles only because you're the one doing them? Or are you more hungry that people are just set free? There's a major difference between pride and humility right there. I want to see breakthrough taking place in people's life. It starts with this. Put on tenderhearted mercy. Put on kindness. Put on Humility, put on gentleness, put on patience. Why? Because <laughs> verse 13 comes up. Ready? All right, look at verse 13. 
make allowance for each other's faults. Because guess what? We all got faults. Not me. Pride. We all got faults. And then he says, forgive anyone who offends you. So guess what's coming? This is like God's uh, 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 amber alert. Guess what's coming? Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to take your parking spot. Guess what? When people come in here that don't go to this church and they start coming, they don't know that's your seat. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, they took my parking spot. And if you ain't clothed in tender-hearted mercy, ooh, Christians can be nasty. Why? It's because they're not dressed. Ooh, man. So believers, not only are we putting on our clothes, you know, to look all snazzy, that's great. But, you know, Peter even talks about, like, don't just put on, like, the, the talking about women, the, the apparel, the makeup and all this, but dress yourselves in the, in the tenderness of heart on the inside. He's talking about women with their wives. But also for us as a church family, let's put this thing on. That anybody who walks through the door, oh, I don't know who that so-and-so is, you jump on them as if, you know, Smart kid on a math book or something. Like you just, you get on them. A fat kid on a smarty. You do whatever you can. You get all over them. Why? It's, it just, it wells up in you. You don't have to try it. I don't have to try to, oh, okay, I got to go. I got to go hug this guy. Oh, I don't want to. Uh, you, it just comes out of you. Why? Because you put it on. And then because he says, remember that the Lord forgave you, so forgive others. I remember where I came from and Lord, do I deserve it? Oh, absolutely. I'm thankful that I'm not where I used to be. I'm glad we're on the same boat on that. Okay, now let's go on. Now becoming unoffendable. Number one, we have to learn to receive truth without being offended by it. Living unoffendable. If I'm going to live in humility, here's again a couple characteristics about humility, is that humble folk are able to receive truth without being offended. In fact, they love truth. Okay, let's talk about this a little bit. The more unoffendable I become, the more I leave space for people to help me see what I can't see on my own. I got blinders. In every single one of our lives, we got blinders, right? The same way you got a blind spot when you're driving, right? You, you, you got to shoulder check some of those parts, right? Sometimes you even yell at your kids, I don't want to turn my neck. Hey, is there anybody coming up behind me? No, okay, you, you just go for it. You need people in your corner. Are you humble enough to have people in your corner that are looking at the blind spots in your life? Jamie is really good at that for me. In a good way. In a really good way. No, but she speaks. I'm just being nice. It's truthful. She speaks truth to me in areas that I, I couldn't see on myself. It wasn't there. But guess who does notice them? Jamie. And what does she do? In love, she tells me about them. And I go, okay. I need to make some of those changes. Now, are you humble enough to hear it? Or, no, nah, I got it covered. <laughs> Crash. <laughs> Are you okay to have people in your corner that can speak truth into your life? And not only that, do you have the humility to receive it? You know, Jesus said in John chapter 16, 12, he said, there is many more things that I have to say to you, but you can't bear it right now. It's not about what I can say. Like I've, been, I've had that said to me a few times. Hey, Joel, if there's anything that you ever see in my life at some point, I'll, go ahead and say it. Really? Is there, is there any, any time? I, I could tell you right now. And not being, you know, on an arrogant side. If you want to correct, if you want to grow, this is all part of it. This is something that any time that we had guest speakers come in, this is something I would constantly throw at their feet. What do you see from a church perspective? Is there anything that you're seeing that needs a little bit of attention? Or is there any blind radars, you know, spiritually speaking, that you're seeing? And we're open for correctness. 
And then not only the church, then I say, in my life, there's a few gentlemen that I have key in my life that I allow them to say, it's kind of a conversation, say whatever, hear whatever type of conversation. I can say whatever I want to say, but I'm also, I got to hear whatever I got to say or what I, I got to hear whatever they want to say. You, do you have those relationships? Because they are key for you and I missing some of these blind spots that you and I aren't seeing. Okay. <laughs> now, again, it takes humility to hear and to admit truth in your life. Because when somebody tells you something, anybody ever been corrected before? How does it feel? It hurts. It hurts good, right? But you know, if you read Hebrews chapter 12, this is what God does. And God, he loves to correct his children. If you're not being corrected, the Bible says you're an illegitimate child. So people talk about how amazing, you know, Christian life is all the time. I'm like, I'm getting corrected quite a bit. Like, there's, there's season when the blessings come on, but most of the time, like, you think I'm jumping and just, oh, glory, hallelujah, most of the time, I'm in my white chair going, oh, why do we have to bring this up, God? I'm fine. Like, let's just leave that alone. But again, the more open we are to the Spirit of God, making tweaks in our life, the more able we're able to receive from Him. So is He able? Does He got that safe place? And so God not only does it, but also are other people that are trusted around you able to do the same thing. Amen. Okay, Psalm 27, 6. Look at this. Or sorry, Proverbs 27, 6. I think you guys have that one. Yeah, it says, You can trust a friend who wounds you with honesty, but your enemies pretend flattery comes with insincerity. So rather than being smooched by my enemy, tell me how wonderful I am, I would rather have a close, trusted friend who would slap me. Anybody can get schmoozed. Oh. Oh, you're amazing. Oh, it's just, oh, it's so amazing. And going off and off. And it, thanks, but I would rather have someone slap me in the face with truth than everything's going to be a-okay for you. Yay. And you just go on that. And was, I'd rather get slapped. Anybody else want to get slapped? Any slappers available in the house? That's where the hands go. Yeah, I'll slap. I got a plenty of ideas. I know how to correct her, and I know how to correct him, and oh, man, don't get me started on my wife. Anyways, you can go. And then now at the same time, humility accepts correction. Look at this, Proverbs 13, 10. It says, wisdom opens your heart to receive wise counsel, but pride closes your ears to, advi to advice and gives birth to only squirrels and strife. Now, not squirrels, squirrels. <laughs> 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 oh man it was such a right, holy moment and then it just killed it right <laughs> oh man gives birth to that's where squirrels come from that's where they come from man okay man that, that helps okay <laughs> wisdom opens your heart to receive wise counsel oh and pride closes your ears to advice and gives birth to only Quarrel, quarrels, quarrels, nine strike. Okay, <clears throat> humility, here's the thing. Humility enables you to make changes. A humble person, guess what? Change is, for lack of a better word, easy. Not that it's ever easy, because of course there's, there's adjustments, there's transition, there's, you know, there's change in thinking and new ways of doing things, and that's not always comfortable, I get that. But when you walk in humility, this is something Pastor Sheila said in prayer a little while ago, but people get stuck not in the change itself, but in the process of change. Yes. You, you, 
Everybody loves the change, but how do we maneuver that? In humility, you are open to being adjusted and being able to be moved. So if the Lord wants to say something to you, hey, I want you to go over here. I want you to start this. I want you to think this way. You're, okay, Lord, I, I'm able to maneuver. Why? Because I'm, I'm adaptable to change. Jesus, Jesus was never in control of his ministry. Think about it for a sec. He's going over here, and all of a sudden a woman with an issue of blood touches him. Who touched me? And like, People are pulling at him constantly, but a humble person will stop and make time for someone else. Rather than, this is my schedule, this is what I do, Nobody has access to me. You have to, and I understand like there's, there's times, for, I get that, but then there's times where you have got to be flexible because if there's no flex, God is not able to get you off of your own treadmill and get you to see something that he wants you to see because you can get so focused on this, so focused on that, that you lose sight of what God is actually doing. He wants to be running your life. He wants to show you stuff. But meanwhile, here's my daily plan and this is what I do, this is what I do, and oh, I only do this between 9 and 11. Don't mess that up, God. There's been times where I'm on my way to the gym because it's my gym time and I need to uh, you know, just let it out a little bit. And all of a sudden, I just hear just the Lord just gently, gently tapping on my heart. Can you, go, can you go spend some time with me? Choice. No, this is my thing. Or, and my, some of those most precious moments come when I got disrupted. Anyway, I'll leave that for you to think of. But again, humility enables you to make changes. The more humble you are, the more open you are to correctness. Humility opens you up to see more, opens you up to hear more, and it makes you more receptive simply to receive. <laughs> right? Remember that one story that Jesus talked about between a, a Pharisee and a sinner who went to pray? Now, what did the Pharisee say? Lord, I'm so thankful I'm not like them. You know, you know drinking and you know, living like this, and they're just a bunch of problems. And then the other guy, the, the tax collector, he didn't even open his eyes to heaven. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy of any of this. And the, Jesus said, who do you think left justified? It's the tax collector, right? Man, I've heard stories too. And that this, is, I'll just, uh, this is a story that I heard from a, a friend of mine. He was talking about just a healing service that they were in. And uh, this one lady came up to me. He's, he's a pastor now. And this one lady came up to me, I'm a good Christian. I go to church every Sunday. I go to church. I never miss my tithe. I'm always here for prayer meetings. I'm involved in the church and serving. And this person, you had, they had a prayer, prayer line. This person kind of came up, never been to church, doesn't get involved, and he gets healed, and I haven't gotten mine yet, and I've been here all this time. Do you see where the trap is? My good works should get me healed. No. It does nothing. How come this person just walked in and received their healing? <sighs> they came with a humble heart. Lord, I, I need, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm coming before you. That's the Lord honors humility. He gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. As long as you think you're making it for yourself and for everybody else, that's where the grace stops. Can you see that? Oh, man, that's huge. Okay, then I want to get to this example last little bit here. Let's look at Matthew chapter 15. While you're turning there, I want to just read this to you. Pride will keep you stuck in yourself. The more prideful you are, the less willing you are open to being corrected and making adjustments. Pride has a hardening, dulling, blinding, and deafening effect. That's what it does. When pride gets, when you allow pride on the inside, it dulls you spiritually. It dulls you, um, you know, in, inside your heart to see, to hear, even for your heart to understand. How come I'm just not seeing this? 
is because there's a hardness on your heart where it's about you. So let me encourage you, go back. If there's anything in me, Lord, this is what I said to this Lord this past week has been kind of my prayer. Lord, if there's pride in me in any kind of area, get it out. Show me, say it, I'm open to it. Now I gotta read this quick so I got a few minutes left because I don't wanna go over, t- over time here. Okay, Matthew chapter 15 and verse, fifth, or verse 21. It says, when Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon, A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now I want you to keep in mind, humble healing. Humble healing. Say with me, humble healing. Or in the New Living it says humble and restoration. Now I want you to see the words that she said here, Have mercy, O O Lord, son of David. Are those right words? Those are proper words, aren't they? And it says, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now, a question that we have to ask ourselves is too, what's going on in their home? Because a demon does not just come in and all of a sudden does whatever it wants to do. It needs to be yielded to. Now, if you actually do a little bit of study about the the Canaanites at this time, because they say she's a Syrophoenician woman, the practices that they did were horrible. Like, I'll encourage you to read it for yourself, but it comes to anything from sacrificing their own kids to, you know, idol worship things that they would do. It was absolutely disgusting. The prostitution that took place, the the random sex acts that would happen, and just immorality to the T. Horrible. And so don't just think, oh yeah, this lady's having a rough time. This is her lifestyle. So all of a sudden, what she's now operating in, it gave the devil access to torment her severely. So you have to, you always have to keep this in play. Like don't just kind of read past some of these things. The devil cannot just go into somebody's life. He needs an access point. So it is vital what you and I are doing in our homes. It's vital. What's happening and taking place in our homes because I want God to have access, not the enemy. Right? Okay, continuing on. That's just a side note. Just to, fit, just to put this in your brain that where this woman's coming from, verse 23. It says, but Jesus, look at this, gave her what? No reply, not even a word. And then not only that, then his disciples urged him, send her away. Tell her to go away. She is bothering us. Now, I want you just to go here for a sec. This lady comes sprawling down. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter has been tormented by an evil spirit. Right? Jesus doesn't say a word. Not only that, then the disciples. So she, like, think about this. She's coming up to 13 guys. A woman coming up to 13 guys and just starts throwing it at them. God, I need help. Oh, son of David, have mercy. And then Jesus doesn't say anything. Let's just, let me give you the picture. Doesn't say nothing. Then the disciples are saying, man, she's annoying. Lord, send her away. She's ridiculous. Get her out of here. Yet, now notice the next verse, 24. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. So not only is Jesus first ignoring her, then the disciples say, get rid of her. Then Jesus finally said, I'm not here to help you. I'm here to help the lost sheep of Israel. Look at the next verse. Notice her. Now what I want you to do is, I'm not just for time's sake, I want you to read this story from the point of view of the woman. Humility healed. At this point, what could she have done? She could have walked away offended. You call yourself Jesus? Those disciples, disciples of yours? Why? You don't even say hello to me when I walked in. You didn't even greet me properly when I came into those front doors. You didn't even give me a spot. 
She could have left pride intact and got nothing. But notice what she did. Now she came and she... Oh, come on. She what? She worshipped. You have got to be operating in humility when all of a sudden you've been ignored. Disciples, the 12 other guys are saying, you're annoying. And all of a sudden, what do you do? You throw yourself. You worshipped him and saying, Lord, help me. And now, just when you think, oh, okay, watch this. Then... Jesus responded, it isn't right for me to take food when the, uh, from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, the reason why Jesus called her a dog is because of the lifestyle that those Canaanites lived in. And now, God is good when? How many know that Jesus is being good to her? <laughs> oh, truth. Now, note, I want you to see these next three words. Click, guys. She replied, that's true, Lord we might as well just say this. That's true, Lord. If the Lord brings out anything in your life, you're acting like a dog. No, I'm not. Stop it. The answer is, that's true, Lord. There's been times when I've been in prayer and the Lord said, you're being a jerk to Jamie. That's true, Lord. You have to come to that place. Whatever he says, he is right. You got, bitter, you got bitterness towards an ex-family member. You got bitterness towards somebody at work. But Lord, you don't understand what they did. He doesn't give a rip. My, what's important for me is my conduct to the Lord. This is what's important to me is how I live my life in front of his eyes. So when he says something about me, the answer is, that's true, Lord. It. Then saying, look what she goes on to say, but even the dogs are allowed to, oh, go back, guys. But even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. And then Jesus went on to respond and said, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And, your, and her daughter was instantly healed. How did she get her healing? Humility. Humility, healing. Humility, healing. No matter what it is, if it's a physical healing, if you need if you need, uh, Jesus came to restore the brokenhearted. He came to, you know, restore my mind. Guess where it begins? Humility before the Lord. This is where all healing takes place. Not just physical, not just emotional, not just relational. Every area in your life, financially, if you are in a crisis, the answer is not, well, they did this and the government did this and they ripped me off here. No, the answer is humble healing. Humble restoration. But that's what so-and-so said. It doesn't matter. Humility, restoration. Come on, say it with me. Humility, restoration. If I want to see everything in my life restored to the way God wanted it, it begins with humility. I must humble myself. Lord, if I've missed it in any kind of way in this relationship with so-and-so, in, in my conduct, if I've missed it in my finances, got to get it there too. We finally got, we got to own up to some of this stuff rather than, oh, no, that's so-and-so. no. Stop it. That, there's a form of pride in that. It's not about them. It's about your conduct before God. Even if somebody ripped me off, if I'm living humbly before the Lord, the humble get grace. And guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. Oh, but they took $10,000 away from me. And you think the Lord can't restore that? Not just restore, bring you even more than we had lost before. We, we sing these songs, y'all. We sing it, what the enemy took for evil and God's turning it for good. We're, we're throwing it out there. But do you actually know what it means to live that out? There's a whole difference in what is it? Humility, healing. Humility, healing. 
This is what he does. So if I want to see it happening in my life, it begins like this. Lord, I don't know it all. Sir, but I'm asking you by your grace to show me where I've missed it regarding this situation, regarding this financial business thing, regarding a relationship status. Lord, if I've missed it, I am open to receiving direction, correction from you any way that I can. And it's the humble that get the grace. And the grace, when you see it, oh, now I start living from an angle like this. And people go, how are you living like that? It's because we see differently. I know too much. You're not going to catch me getting offended. Why? I know too much. I'm not going to get offended with somebody here. It's my job to love. I'm going to stay there. Why? Because when I'm here, I get grace. When I'm here, I get sight. When I'm here, I get vision and provision for my life. I got to stay put. Can we all see this? Nobody, not even you, are going to get me out over here. I can't believe they said this about me. What's wrong with them? I'm not going to do it. Why? Because over here is where the good stuff is happening. Meanwhile, these people are all angry over here. Man, just join the flow and everything comes good into your life. This is the flow. Humility, healing. Oh, man, I love that. Don't you love that? We serve a good God, don't we? Awesome. Can we all just say that together? Humility, healing. Humility, restoration. I just love the word that the new living brings out. It's restoration. And I mean, in context, he's talking about the land. But if we want to see red deer take its place, guess where it begins? It begins with you and I humbling ourselves before the Lord and saying, Lord, make things right on the inside of me. And as things are being brought out rightly, guess what? The Lord starts moving in. We start seeing a move of God inside of me. I don't need to wait for a song to get me all jacked up. I come jacked because there's a move happening on the inside of me. Listen, we are the move of God. I'm not looking for a move of God somewhere in Brazil. Thank God they got powerful things happening. But I want to see the move of God happen in me. And when it takes fire in me, guess what? It's going to happen everywhere that I go. This is the Lord's always on. He's turned on. It's you and I that turn him off. So let's keep him on. Amen? Awesome. Aaron, come on up here, sir. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Awesome. That was good. Well, I, if you were here last week, I mentioned about um, how we wanted to give a love offering for Pastor Joel and Jamie. So we're going to do that. Um, and uh, if you're a guest with us here, please do not feel any obligation to. So what I wanted to do is jump up here quick before Pastor Joel was going to preach and say, hey, let's take up a quick offering for these guys. He didn't really like that idea. Probably because it brought attention to himself. And, you know, he does live out this humility message. Like, get, really getting to know to know Pastor Joel and Jamie the last uh, three years. Man, like, he's not up here faking. He's, he doesn't pump himself up for a Sunday morning. He's always, like, up here. So he's got good energy. And Pastor Jamie, too. They're a great team. So, anyways, he didn't want to bring attention and maybe offend any guests that are here. And, but, I mean, he didn't have a problem in, in impersonating a constipated apple tree. <laughs> which coincidentally looked a lot like what he might be when he's constipated. <laughs> so he had no problem with that. I just had to, I just thought that was great. Um, but, yeah, we just, so normally what happens at Christmas time, we get it. We've had church members say, hey, this Christmas we didn't have gifts for the pastors. We wanted to do that. 
So we just delayed that. We, we had a fourth year anniversary of them being put into place as the lead pastors here. So just as a, as a gift to them. And also, what great timing with their baby on the way, right? And uh, so we just want to do that. And of course, the regular tithes and offerings, we want to take part in that today too. So if you can take a little extra time, if you'd like to give to Pastor Joel and Jamie, just designate on your gift that put an anniversary gift to, to that on top of the, the tithe that you want to give. And if you don't want to give anything, well, that's, that's fine. And I'm sure they, what they really want is, their, is your prayers for them, all right? So thank you so much for everybody's generosity here. And uh, we just want to keep going, keep moving forward and keep going deeper, right? And keep listening to what God has for us and, and do it, all right? So ushers, if you want to come forward, and we will do that. So if it takes extra time, that's fine. If you didn't get a chance to put in the, your envelope in, um, just come give it to me after, and I'll make sure it gets to the right place. And if you want to give online and you want to talk about it, really the offering is counted on, on Tuesdays, so you have some time to to think about it too we don't want to just spring it on you guys but and if you're guests with us thank you for joining us and uh we don't want you to feel obligated to give in, in any kind of way just be here and be part of our our service and celebration so thank you for that message and that awesome worship and victory you know this week i was just having a sense and a new revelation of how we are victorious in christ isn't that awesome Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your grace, Lord, that we can receive when we humble ourselves before you. Lord, help us to hear, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we will hear your word and that our hearts will come alive to the truth that is in you. Lord, thank you for your word and your promise. Thank you for that message and that awesome worship and victory.